You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. This is the message from this week's service. If you want to view the full service, including worship, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. While there, you can also see what's coming up at the church or even check out some next steps. All right, let's dive into this week's message. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for the hoots. I really appreciate it. It's good to be here in Baldwinsville. We will officially be here in Baldwinsville this coming Saturday when we move into our home. So we are very excited. It's been under, yes. If one person claps, everyone claps. Good. I've learned that. We've uh, been in renovation since uh, July, and we've been living in Cortland with Kathleen's sister. And uh, I've been commuting uh, into Syracuse. Uh, to work at the rescue mission, but let me introduce my wife, uh, Kathleen. We're both ordained ministers with the Assemblies of God. I'm an endorsed chaplain with the Assemblies of God and currently serve at the Syracuse Rescue Mission in the inner city of uh, Syracuse, and it is uh, a privilege to be serving in there. And I'm going to let you sit down. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Awesome. Be careful. There you go. That's all right. The Syracuse Rescue Mission was established over 100 years ago. Our theme is we put love into action, and our values are food, clothing, shelter, and hope. There is a spiritual life department that consists of two of us, and I'll put that picture, they'll put that picture up for you, of uh, my boss, uh, Chaplain Yulon Jones, who is the chief spiritual life officer. He's part of the leadership team, and myself, and uh, we're usually pretty happy. But I will tell you that uh, working at the rescue mission is, is a pretty intense thing. Um, sometimes we can get into stereotypes when it comes to homeless, but for every homeless story there is, is a unique story of a person and why they're homeless. There is one gentleman at the homeless mission who was homeless because his apartment burned down. And he had to come to the rescue mission emergency shelter and stay there until uh, they could find another apartment for him to live in. Obviously, there's issues of drugs and addiction and the reason people are homeless. Uh, domestic violence is another reason people are homeless. And people come to the rescue mission looking for hope, many of them not knowing that they can find hope in Jesus Christ. And the difference between a pastor and a chaplain is a pastor has a congregation that they oversee. A chaplain has a group of people, no matter what their faith practice is, we're there to help them and to serve them. And that's what we do as chaplains. So we appreciate your prayers. There's a table set up out in the lobby. You're welcome to visit it. I'll be there uh, after service. Um, There are some ways that you can help that would be really significant, especially being part of my Assembly of God family. This is our church. And you may be going, who is this guy? Well, this is our church. This is where we're going to be a part of, but you'll probably never see me on a Sunday except when I'm preaching like this morning because I usually work on Sundays. I usually uh, help... uh, Our senior chaplain lead our chapel service. Uh, I attend to the needs of our clients and our residents. Uh, And also on Wednesday nights, I'm on call at Upstate Medical University Emergency Department. Um, And so uh, you need to pray for me because uh, as far as fellowship, which I love and I love the local church, I pastored the local church as a lead pastor for seven and a half years as an associate pastor and assistant pastor for a number of different years. And so I love the church, I love this church. And Kathleen and I love being a part of this church. And uh, we got to know this church through Pastor Tom and Pastor Megan. It was kind of weird, though, coming here, having been a pastor, every time I heard someone go, Pastor Tom, my head would turn. <laughs> so you can call me Tom or Chaplain Tom, just don't call me Pastor Tom, okay? Because uh, one of us, probably the wrong person, will end up uh, responding. 
I also want to say thank you to each and every one of you who take seriously your generous financial support of the church, particularly that money that goes to the stream. Because I want to say hello to all of those who are watching on the stream right now. That's where I live. I live watching the stream of the service. Usually I watch it later on on a Sunday afternoon, but that's how I, that's how I get fed. And I so appreciate the fact that the stream is there. So if you ever wonder, is there anyone really watching? Well, I am. And we've got a number of folks that are watching, and it is so great to have you a part of the service this morning. So welcome, and God bless you. Um, it's been interesting, our journey to Word of Life. Um, been a very transparent and honest, no throwing stones at the preacher this morning, okay? Um, Word of Life was not our first choice. But that's usually the way it works in the will of God. Usually the later choices is what God really wants. Because we knew a lot of the different pastors in Syracuse when God called us from Port Jervis, New York to Syracuse. And we thought, oh, we'll go to this church over here. Oh, we'll go to this church. Isn't, isn't that the way we deal with, with life and God's calling? It's like McDonald's. You know, I'll pull up to the drive-in. I'll take this, that, not that. Oh, no, not a call to missions, God. Okay, I'll take this and that. And not a call to pastor or ministry, God, but, but I'll take this and that. And that's how I say, would say Kathleen and I were innocently approaching selecting a church. But when we found a house in Baldwinsville and we drove past Word of Life, we're thinking, you know, we can't not at least try Word of Life. And from the moment we connected with Word of Life, we knew God was calling us to be a part of this church. To pour whatever gifts and who we are and our character into the life of this church and to serve our leaders and the church. And so here we are, grateful to be a part of it. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that calling, because I believe there's a special uh, purpose in this service today, and it's not a mistake that you're watching online, it's not a mistake that you're sitting here this morning, because God has a call on your life. Every single one of us, God has a call on. And my scriptural text is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, let me read it. I understand if I hold the pulpit this way, Pastor Tom told me there's a greater anointing, so let me just, you know... All right, there we go. And I don't have a plaid shirt on. I told him I don't own a plaid shirt. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me read. All right. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your help this morning. We're calling upon you, Lord God, and, and I pray we, we have a mix of people here today. We have some that may not know you, some that may have just come to know you, some that may have known you a long time and are taking you for granted, some that are passionately pursuing your purpose for their lives. Whatever it is, Lord, we as a church body are called together to pursue you and to pursue your call. And so I ask you, God, to speak with clarity. Let the conviction and the anointing of your Holy Spirit guide and lead the words that I'm about to speak. And Lord, may we truly come away today saying that we've heard from you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. The title of my message is The Squeeze is On. The Squeeze is On. You know, our theme this year as a church is continuing what Jesus started. We don't need to start something new. We just need to continue what Jesus started. And one of Jesus' most famous sayings is about the narrow gate. Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, man, this is going to be a hell and damnation message. I, did, I just need some encouragement this morning. Well, I, I'm taking a different direction coming to this text. Jesus taught about the narrow gate. He's addressing a mixed audience. 
most likely made up of people with various commitments to him, and he is challenging them to follow the right path. He uses a traditional Jewish idiom of two ways, which was picked up by Christianity. There are two gates, there are two roads, there are two groups of people, there are two destinations. And this repetition emphasizes the difference between the many and the few who follow the two roads. On the one hand, one gate is wide, and the path leading out behind it is broad. The metaphor meaning that this choice makes for an easy life, a life you want to go, a life that wants to go, the life with you and me in, cha in charge, the life without God, but has a terrible end. It's a life that's all about me and all that I want to do. The other gate is narrow and the path extending out beyond it is difficult. Many people make the first choice and only a few take the second, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus' singular admonition is to enter through the narrow gate. And that word, the original word for narrow, generally means to press upon, to crowd. It conveys this idea of narrow. Now, does Jesus mean to say that folks can only pass through this gate single file? Is that what it means to be narrow? Must one wait in line to get through this gate? Is, is Jesus saying something akin to Yoda when Luke asked him if the dark side of the force was stronger? No, no, quicker, easier, more seductive. Yeah. It wasn't that great. Was George Lucas borrowing from Jesus? Possibly, but not quite. You see, the way of discipleship, according to Jesus, is narrow in the sense that it is pressing or it is squeezing. In other words, Jesus is not describing a one-lane highway or a footpath in a field or even a neglected road in a forest. He is describing an ever-tightening squeeze that is challenging to pass through, pressed, squeezed, or pinched. Now, I need to illustrate, and I'm going to do a human illustration. So I know I have eight volunteers that were carefully chosen for this task. If you would come forward right now, my eight volunteers, come right now. There they come. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six. Here they come. There's, they're coming. They're excited. Let's hear it for them this morning. Very good. Let me have you two over here. Very good. And you two over here, and you four over here. Yep, good, good. Nice. Okay, now, allow me to adjust you. You turn this way. You come right next to her. You come right next to him. And if you would come, Mr. Tallman, <laughs> come closer. Don't be afraid. A little closer. Good. Turn this way. Now, you come to his shoulder. You come to her shoulder. You come to her shoulder. Now, some of you can't see, but I have luggage, and, and you'll see me in a minute. I'm going to bring all my luggage around. Um, because this is what we carry when we come to Jesus, okay? We got stuff, and I can do whatever I want, even though I'm burdened down and carrying all this heavy stuff, okay? I'm burdened down, but then I finally say, you know what? I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to be doing my own thing. I've realized my own thing has led to nothing but selfishness and, and hurting other people, so I, I, I want to give my life to Jesus, so I decide to enter into the narrow way. Now you notice it's sort of like a V and it gets tighter. And you'll notice that as I get closer, I'm, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give Jesus this bag. There. Okay, good. Now I, well, no, that's not going to work. I got to give Jesus this bag too. Okay, good. That'll work. I can put this bag in front of me so I can still take it with me, but no, it's not going to work. I got to give him this bag. 
And what we find is, as we are squeezed, as we make the decision to let Jesus squeeze our life, what can make it through is us. All of our own desires. Amen. Amen. And this morning, God is calling us. He's calling us as a church. He's calling us as individuals to the narrow way to be squeezed. Some of us have been being squeezed. We've been in a process, and it may be for decades, but we haven't yielded. We've kind of stopped maybe halfway. And we said, okay, I still want to carry some of these other things. But Jesus says, let it go. Let it go. Because I have a call on your life. And he knows the purpose and plan that he has for our lives. Narrow is the way and few who find it. That's not a condemnation that, oh my goodness, all these people are going to be left out. It's, you got to be willing to be squeezed. you got to be willing to let go. Let's hear it for our eight people. Thank you, you did a great job. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. See, the power of the two ways is a metaphor. It, it, it emphasizes you must make a decision. You must decide between one of two options. And the difficulty is in our spiritual walk, sometimes we stop. Sometimes we level off. I'm 61 years old, so I can count myself now as pretty much kind of a senior. When we get older, we start leveling off. We start thinking about things that, listen, honestly, are important. Things like grandchildren and retirement, but it's not the most important. Jesus and his will and his calling are what's most important. And there is a calling that's going out among this people and those on our stream this morning to let God revive the calling in your heart and in your life. There is no third. There is no neutral position. It's one or the other. Anyone who says the narrow path is an easy path, that the Christian life does not have tribulation and pain, is preaching a false gospel and is clearly at odds with what Jesus says. But we can get distracted from the call. We can get distracted by television, by media, by the news. We can find our alignment with the political party rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, the only thing that's going to transform this country is Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is not done with his church. When he comes and takes his church, he'll be done. Until that time comes, we are not to be sitting on our porches, rocking in chairs, waiting for him to come. We are to be about his purposes and his plan. The fact of the matter is that we're changed when we enter through the narrow gate. That's justification. The cross and the Christian life that extends out past that gate, sanctification can be challenging. But Jesus wants us to be more like him while he's using us. He's working in us while he's working through us. I can tell you that my journey at the rescue mission has been a challenge, but not one where I feel defeated. There was the day when two, uh, two people uh, uh, on the property, one was knifed and one was stoned. And I didn't see it happen, but I came out afterwards. And our CEO and our chief strategic officer were out with mops and buckets, mopping up the blood off the steps, entering into our food services area. 
And clients were coming up because it was dinner time, thinking this was the way to go. And something said to me, I need to go out. I need to go out there and, and help them. So I went out. And I just directed people around to the back where we were serving meals. It can at times be dangerous. But I feel at peace knowing I'm right where God wants me. And that's when you'll find peace. If you're looking for peace in any other way other than being right where God wants you, you will not find it. It is a false peace. Jesus' encouragement is that his disciples do not make this journey on their own. Jesus is with you. And God will make the journey possible. But still, it will be no relaxed trip. The way of life presses on those who take it, squeezes those who wish to pass through it, Judged by mere appearances, only the foolish would take it. But when I was 19 years old and thought I knew it all and was angry at God and tried to end my life and ended up in a psychiatric hospital, guess where Jesus met me? It was not at the altar of a church, but it was the altar of a bed in a psychiatric hospital when I called out to him and said, God, you have to show me you're real because I have no reason to go on living. And in the middle of that depression and anxiety, God broke through and said two things to me. He said, you are lost because of all the decisions you've been making for your life, but I have a purpose for your life, and if you'll give your life to me, I'll change your life and do something with it. Some people, when they see someone standing up, amen. Some people, when they see a person standing up behind a, a podium, they think they were born that way, podium in hand or suit in and tie, and, you know, and that's their whole life. My life has not been that. In fact, my life has been like a roller coaster, and Jesus has been like that bar that secures me into the seat of the roller coaster. We see people all the time flying off of roller coasters. Why? They're not secured by Jesus. Jesus is the one who secures us in the ups and downs and the turns and the curves and the upside downs of life. It is no relaxed trip. But we who claim faith in Jesus follow him, and Jesus denied himself, took up his cross, and squeezed through the narrow gate. Simple, yes, easy, no. Seek the narrow way. If it is described in the teaching of Scripture and looks to be impossible, then you found the gate. Because I want you to know the call of God is impossible for you to try to do it on your own. But with Jesus, all things are possible. You will only enter by placing faith in Jesus to make the impossible possible. This is the road to life. So how? How? Well, Pastor Tom did an amazing series on our core values as a church. And one of those values is commit to stretch. Commit to stretch. We need to be stretched. Embrace, and another way that I put it is embrace the call to walk in the narrow way. Embrace the call to walk in the narrow way. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, which has been called the gospel according to Paul. And he spends the first 11 chapters laying out the theological soundness of the gospel. He finishes the end of Romans with this doxology. In Romans chapter 11, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? 
For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Therefore, that's how chapter 12 starts. And I was taught, always know what the therefore is there for. The therefore refers to the last 11 chapters of Romans. In light of all that I have just written to you, all that I have just told you about the amazing grace of God and his desire to save you and all that he has done and grafted us into the, into the plan of salvation for the Jews and, and all of this, in light of all that, I urge you. That word urge means I'm begging you. I am pleading with you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. How do you do that? A living sacrifice sacrifice. I mean, sacrifice is usually dead, right? Am I wrong? But to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. What does that mean? Does that mean I have to get it all right? Does that mean I have to be perfect? Does that mean I got to have all the scripture memorized? No, it just means you need to say, God, here I am. Here I am, God. Here's my life. With all the problems, all the mistakes, all the junk, here it is, God. Here it is. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. How many of us this morning would like to know the will of God for our lives? Can I see a show of hands? Just a few. No, no, more than that. Good. God wants you to know his will, but it means giving your life to him as a living sacrifice, not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by renewing your mind, changing the way you think. You know, God called me to the rescue mission. I wasn't looking for it. We were up here. We wanted to buy a house. We realized that I couldn't buy a house unless we had proof of future income. So we were praying about, you know, where am I going to work? You know, what is Kathleen going to do? Kathleen started a a coaching practice where she min- she coaches ministers and missionaries and, um, and and that's not reliable income yet. So what are we going to do? So we were laying in the uh, red roof. We were laying in the bed and I was just checking Indeed when I got an email. Oh, Indeed. Okay, let me go to Indeed. Great. Associate Chaplain Rescue Mission. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I knew. How many of us have ever been there? God showing us something. I don't want to do that, God. The very thing you don't want to do may be the very thing God's calling you to. And God called me to the rescue mission. And I went to the interview, not confident in myself, but just realizing that this is what God had. This is what God had. And I got the position. And I'm learning so much. That's the thing. If, as long as you put yourself in a posture of learning, you can do anything God has called you to. Just be a learner. Don't try to be an expert. Just be a learner. I want to say something especially to my brothers and sisters who are over 60 years of age. God will use you no matter your age. And sometimes we can have the, we can check out. 
We'll leave it to the young people. Even in our movement, the Assemblies of God, there's a tremendous emphasis on encouraging younger ministers. And I get it. I Believe me, I want our young people to move into the calling of God. And there's, they're having conferences across the United States and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think they should start a Caleb conference movement. See, those of you that may not be familiar with this guy, Caleb, Caleb was one of two of 12 that went to check out the promised land. Jacob, uh, Joshua and Caleb went over, and when they came back, 10 said, we can't do it. It's impossible. We're going to die. There are big giants over there. We're going to die. And Caleb said, let's go. And Joshua said, let's go. And God said, no. So for 40 years, God's people walked the desert until that generation was gone, except Joshua and Caleb. Caleb is now 85 years old. 85. That's kind of old. Listen what the scripture says about Caleb. This is what Caleb says. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved out about in the wilderness. So here I am today. 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me that hill. You don't have to take it for me. You just say you can have it, Caleb, and I will take the hill. 85 years old. I had surgery two years ago. I lost 75 pounds. That was the purpose of the surgery was to lose weight and to live healthier. I feel healthier, stronger, more vigorous now at 61 than I felt 10 years ago. I, when I was ordained at age 47, my pastor said, how shall I pray for you? I said, I want 40 years of good ministry. He goes, you know, you'll be 87. I said, yep, yep. So how about it, seniors? Is there a hill that needs taken? I want to I encourage you to answer the call of God this morning. Answer the call of God. In Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> Amen. Now's a good time to answer the call. It's good. Amen. <laughs> that was good. That was awesome. God is faithful. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for work of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit didn't give those gifts. Christ gave. Christ gave Pastor Tom and Pastor Megan and Pastor Lisa and Pastor Annie and all the pastors. Jesus gave those to this church so we can become mature, attaining the fullness and do the works of service that God has, but attain the character of Jesus Christ. God has a calling on your life. Every single one of you. You can deny it. You can ignore it. You can pretend it's not there. You can say I'm too old. You can say I'm too young. You can say I'm to this, you can say I'm to that. But this morning I am here to declare to you, God has a calling on your life. Psalm 139, 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
God knows the plan that he has for your life. A plan to prosper you, give you a hope and a future. You know those verses in Jeremiah 29 were sent by email to the prophet Jeremiah to give to the people of God. Right before that verse, he said, tell them they're going to be there for a while. Tell them they're going to be there for 70 years in captivity. Tell them to grow gardens and have families. But there is going to come a day where I'm going to bring you home. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. So God knows. The struggle you may be going through now may be preparation for the calling that he has for you. Because you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. You don't even... Mona Lisa can't even compare to you. Michelangelo's David, chump change compared to you. You are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You didn't save yourself. You didn't do any of it. It's by grace you are saved. Because if I could go to church enough times and say, well, I go to church pretty regularly. I'm pretty faithful. I, I tithe and everything. I should be saved. No. You are saved because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians, I, I love verse 10 in the New Living Translation. Where in the NIV it says, you are God's handiwork. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and rather than putting yourself down said, I am God's masterpiece? When have you rejected the lies and embraced the fact that you are God's masterpiece? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. My last point is live for God and obey his calling on your life. In other words, as one of our core values states, as Word of Life Assembly of God, live on mission. Live on mission. You'll notice our prayer team is starting to come forward. That's because we're going to have a special time of response this morning. We're going to have a special time of response to the call of God. And I'll explain that in a minute, but let me read... Um, Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 dear friends you always followed my instructions when I was with you and now that I am away it is even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him the message translation says what I'm getting at friends is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning when I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Can we live in responsive obedience to Jesus Christ? Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. There's a call going out this morning to redouble our efforts. In the joy of the Lord to answer the call in obedience to God. 61 years old, white guy working at an inner city rescue mission. If that isn't God, I don't know what is. But I say to you, I say to you, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy and energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. 
There's a gate that's open this morning, and that gate is narrow. It's a squeezing gate. And God is inviting you in it this morning. These passages, and many like them, show that God doesn't just love you. He also calls you. If your heart has started beating faster this morning, perhaps God is reminding you of the call that he has on your life. Maybe you just kind of slide in and slide out each Sunday. God says, don't. Stay. Be a part of the community. Be a part of the family. Let's reach Baldwinsville and Syracuse together. And maybe, maybe, even maybe, there's someone in here that's called to go across the pond, to reach Europe or Africa or Asia or Australia. And you say, how could I possibly do it? I don't know, but God, all of the resources are available at his hand. All you have to do is say yes, because you are unique. Your calling is unique. And what God has in store for you will fit you like no one else. You get to spend the rest of your life walking and talking with Jesus, learning who he is, who you are and how to fit into God's plan for this world. God has a specific future in mind for you to fulfill, but you don't have to have all the answers now. It's the journey of a lifetime to explore exactly what your calling is. What if Luke said, I wanna stay in New York City. I wanna work with all the musical celebrities. God can use me there, I I can be a witness there. But God called him to Baldwinsville. Baldwinsville! Come on! To paraphrase the scripture, Baldwinsville, can anything good come from Baldwinsville? I'm looking at it right now. Right now. Embrace this journey. It's an adventure worth having, a life worth living, a story worth telling. Go for it. You've got this because God's got you. Is God squeezing your life? Is he squeezing you this morning? I'm going to ask you to be courageous this morning that if there's any part of this message or the calling of God has been squeezing you this morning, would you raise your hand? Believer, unbeliever, whoever you are. Now I'm going to ask you to take a second step and stand up. If you raised your hand, stand up. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to take a third step and come to our prayer partners this morning as we worship. Please come forward. You don't have to know what the call is. You don't have to know what is involved. They just want to agree with you this morning saying, hey, I agree. I'm going to be praying for you this morning. Come forward because God may even speak a word to you this morning as you respond to the call of God and the squeeze of God on your life. Let's respond in